our society today is not structured in such a way to support the practice of Sabbath. And so it's kind of fallen by the wayside. There's also an education piece where I think people are just not familiar with with scripture. And, and if they're familiar with the idea of Sabbath, it's within the context of the Ten Commandments, which you know certainly is important. But it seems like it's this old, outdated sort of thing that isn't applicable to my life anymore. I think the struggle with Sabbath goes all the way back to Genesis. This divine rhythm that from the very beginning of creation, God instituted for us, for our, our well-being, for our flourishing. And it's just this really beautiful tool for us today to make sure that we are living um, in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God, in a way that helps us to live the flourishing life that God really desires for us. Sabbath really, in a lot of ways, is about wholeness. Jesus very clearly points out that this is for the benefit of humanity. We have come from a place where things have been so legalistic around Sabbath. We just don't even know where to start in terms of engaging in Sabbath in our own lives today. Hey friends, welcome to Free and Light, a podcast designed to help you experience the life Jesus offers. I'm your host, Tim Shelton, and I'm so glad you're joining me today for this fantastic conversation with my good friend, David Miles. He's been a friend of mine for about a decade, and he pastors a local church in Washington. He is currently studying at the Eugene Peterson School in Holland, Michigan. And the reason why I wanted to have him come on is because if you're like me, you're probably listening and trying to figure out, A, does Sabbath fit in my life? B, if I wanted to, how would I do that? Uh, because the reality is we're all trying to figure this thing out as we follow Jesus together. And so if you've been listening over the last couple of months, you know that this first part of season two is all about learning to slow down and be still. And so we're going to wrap up part one of this season with this fantastic conversation with David. So in it, we talk about how he figured out that he wanted to study Sabbath, how he's pursuing Sabbath, and most importantly, this idea that in order to practice Sabbath in a busy world, we have to get creative. The truth is the world is fighting against us. Our culture is not set up for this anymore. And so if we want to follow Jesus by living from a place of rest, establishing these rhythms, deep rhythms of rest in our life. We have to get creative with it. We have to think outside of the box. And friend, let me just encourage you before we jump to this conversation. I've been doing this about three years, roughly, and I'm not an expert. And David's been doing this much longer, and he's not an expert. And the truth is, we're all trying to find our way. And so my hope is that in this conversation, you will find a nugget or two uh, that you can hang on to, to encourage you and your family in your pursuit of Jesus, in your apprenticeship to him, that Sabbath is worth it. It's life-giving, it brings joy and delight, and most importantly, a deeper communion and connection with God. So with that being said, here's my conversation with my good friend, David Miles.
David Miles, welcome to Free and Light. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good to be here. Well, we have known each other almost a decade now, and uh, we met at an experience which our audience has heard me talk a little bit about Rhythm in 20. Um, I think it was about a decade ago, right? Yeah, I actually looked back in, in the journal that we got. I think it was September maybe of, of 2013. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Just uh, I've shared how it's changed my life, but I'd love to just hear from you. Like how did that experience, maybe even tell our audience in your words a little bit about that, what it was like, but tell us about it and how did it change your life? Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that I was completely unaware of until I came across it on a blog that I'd been following and I watched the promo video. And as soon as I got done watching that, I knew that was something that I needed to be a part of. I don't know if that was your same sort of experience. It absolutely but was. It, it was, you know, it struck me like, this is something that I need. Um, I was married, young dad, two kids under the age of three at that point in time. And life was busy. It was hectic. I was in ministry and yet I was in a place of ministry where I think I felt unsettled. I didn't know where the Lord was leading me. I felt like he was providing in this moment, but I wasn't sure if this was kind of the long-term call that he had for me. And so I, I felt restless, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I, I began to recognize a desire to do all of these different things well, to be a good husband and a good father and to minister well to people and recognizing that there was just so much going on in my life that this was going to be really hard to do the way that I'm doing it right now. And so seeing that video um, and the idea of being able to wrestle with and process through some of these things with other men that are wrestling with and trying to process through some of these things was really significant. You know, Mm -hmm. how do I lead well and have the rhythms in my life that allow me to do that in a sustainable fashion, long-term. Oh, it's not easy following Jesus. It's not easy, easy having, you know, spiritual rhythm. I'm really hesitant to use the word pursuit because it's not something that like I'm trying to work to achieve, but it is this, this journey that I'm on to try and experience and live into these, these ideas and these concepts. So fast forward 10 years later, almost 10 years later, and you are now, a pastor, interim pastor at a local church in Maple Valley, Washington. Yep. So I've been on staff for a little over 12 years, various roles currently in the interim senior pastor role. The reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is you are also pursuing a D-man with a dissertation in Sabbath. Now, (laughs) some big words there that I don't fully understand myself. So I want to ask a whole bunch of questions around this, but first of all, just tell our audience, what is a D-min, first of all? So D-min is a doctoral degree. It's kind of a practitioner's degree, like a doctor of education, something along those lines. Um, and really the the hope, I think, for people pursuing a D-min is that they are, whatever it is that they're studying, they're, be, they're able to apply that in their their context. You know, it's, it's a degree really for pastors. I'm studying at Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan. Um, I had looked at programs in a variety of different places. This particular cohort that I'm a part of is called Holy Presence, Eugene Peterson and the Pastoral Imagination, which when I heard the title of the cohort, that alone excited me. Um, but it was being birthed out of the Eugene Peterson Center at Western. So Eugene Peterson, his writings, those sorts of things are kind of housed there. 
and it's led by Wynn Collier, who is was a friend of Peterson's, mm-hmm. um, is his biographer, and just an incredible author and pastor in his own right. And so when I found this program, I kind of that a similar experience to find out about Rhythm in 20. I'm like, yeah. this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been looking for. All that set up for this. David, you are doing your D-men. You're going to write your dissertation. Your whole focus is on the practice of Sabbath. Yeah. And uh, this month uh, on the Free Life podcast, we're really diving into where does Sabbath fit in our lives? How do we practice it? And, and I just thought there's nobody I know of that's going to be better to talk to about this than you because you're actually kind of unearthing what does this look like both in your life, in the local congregation, and then at a theological level. So that's where I kind of want to dive in a little bit. And I want to start with just what led you to deciding that Sabbath is what you want to do your D-men focus on? When I got into this program and I saw through conversation and, and the readings that we were doing, how Eugene Peterson pastored, it was apparent to me that he pastored in a different way. Um, he wasn't concerned about being busy all the time and doing all the big things. And he was concerned about shepherding his people and helping them grow in relationship with the Lord. And he was very intentional about his own time of Sabbath rest. And so as I wrestled with kind of Peterson as his conversation partner, talking about Sabbath and pastoral ministry, and I started looking at my own experiences of Sabbath and lack thereof, um, I knew that this was a topic that I had to, had to dive into deeper. Yeah. And, and, what have you found as you've been studying and diving in deeper about your own life? I'm not very good at Sabbath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. To be honest. I mean, that's, that's the thing is, is as much as I, as someone who knows about Sabbath and at least intellectually value Sabbath, it is still such a challenge for me to practice Sabbath consistently. And if I, as someone who knows and values Sabbath, am struggling with it, how much more are those who don't know and understand what Sabbath is, mm-hmm. you know, struggling with the, the practice of this? Over the last couple of years, as I have kind of wrestled with, with Sabbath, the thing that has really stood out to me is the fact that a lot of people just don't know what Sabbath is. Yeah, that has been my experience as well. It's almost like when you say those words, it's like uh, cognitive dissonance of sorts, this mental, like, wait a second, isn't that like an Old Testament thing? And then that's yeah. it, you know? Um, so why do you think people don't know about the Sabbath? Yeah, I think part of it is because, well, I think there are a variety of reasons. One, our society today is not structured in such a way to support the practice of Sabbath. And so it's kind of fallen by the wayside. There's also an education piece where I think people are just not familiar with, with scripture. And, and if they're familiar with the idea of Sabbath, it's within the context of the 10 commandments, which you know certainly is important, but it seems like it's this old outdated sort of thing that isn't applicable to my life anymore. Yeah. It, it feels like we've got um, a lot going against us just with those two things. I mean, I remember growing up, nothing was open on Sunday. And now, uh, you know, soccer tournaments are held on Sunday. <laughs> and, and so it's like, well, how did we get here in just a couple of decades? And then you add to that the lack of biblical education for, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's a problem uh, for sure. So, I mean, I, I guess let's start here. And, and I, 
you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I kind of do want to put you on the spot as a friend. Like, is Sabbath a command, Old Testament command that is applicable, you know, in our modern lives, or is it something that we're able to ignore? Well, it certainly is a command. I mean, it's the fourth commandment. The way that we engage with the Ten Commandments in general is different than when they're initially given. You know, they're given as this covenantal law to the Israelites. It was this law by which they were to kind of live to uh, honor God and live out this righteous sort of life. We live now under the new covenant in Christ. And so it's a different dynamic. But if you look through each of the the 10 commandments, they're all things that are good and beneficial for us. They're all things that either help us um, avoid sin or live into healthy God honoring lives. You know, the first three commandments really focus us on honoring God five through 10 on how we engage with one another. And the fourth commandment, Sabbath, really is this bridge that I think does this beautiful thing in terms of helping us do both, honor God and honor those that are around us and live in community with one another in a healthy, God-honoring sort of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a a book by Walter Brueggemann, Sabbath is Resistance. Is that part of your curriculum? Just I'm just curious. It's an amazing book. Yeah, I love that book. Is it part of your curriculum? Um, it's something that I've read on a couple different occasions and okay. I reference him in, in the work that I'm doing for sure. Oh, okay. No kidding. Yeah. It's, um, I haven't read, you know, nearly as many books on Sabbath as you have, but I've read a couple and that was the first one Josh actually asked me to, to read. And it was really interesting how he, um, framed Sabbath in a current context. And he's like, if this wasn't a command, this would be, uh, the only one of the 10 commandments that, would we would say are not applicable for today's life. And that just doesn't, you know, fit with the character of God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which I'm like, okay, that makes sense to me. Um, there's a, another school of thought would just be regardless of whether it's a command or not, it is an invitation for sure. And it's for our good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you just look back to the creation account and God rests on the seventh day and his rest is the beginning. It's the end of his week, but it's the beginning of, humankind's week. So we come out of rest into the work that God has called us to. And so, you know, you don't see the idea, the word Sabbath specifically come up until Exodus 16, I think when, you know, we're looking at this, this manna and this quail and the idea of collecting just enough um, and not going out on the seventh day to collect. Mm -hmm. And yet even then the Israelites don't obey that. There's still some that go out on the seventh to collect. And uh, so, you know, we talked about just over the last 20 years or so, the struggle, I think the struggle with Sabbath goes all the way back to Genesis. You know, there's, there's this struggle and yet it's this divine rhythm that from the very beginning of creation, God instituted for us, for our, our well-being, for our flourishing. Um, and so we see that brought kind of formalized in the 10 commandments. Um, and it's just this really beautiful tool for us today to make sure that we are living, um, in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God, in a way that helps us to live the flourishing life that God really desires for us. Do you think there's a little bit of like a lack of creativity happening for those that are even contemplating Sabbath? Absolutely. And I think it's because in large part, a lot of people focus solely on 
how Sabbath is described in the Old Testament. We don't look at Sabbath in the New Testament. We don't look at how Jesus engaged with the religious leaders who were critiquing him for healing on the Sabbath. Jesus very clearly points out that this is for the benefit of of humanity. Um, And I think because we have become, or at least we have come from a place where things have been so legalistic around Sabbath, we just don't even know where to start in terms of engaging in Sabbath in our own lives today. And it sort of previews like the long term of like uh, an eternal state of rest. It's like a little bit of a glimpse into eternity for us if we learn to practice Sabbath. Yeah, that's the thing. Ultimately, Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our Sabbath rest. And so this is this foretaste where we get a little a little hint of what that looks like. Um, and in doing so and getting a little hint of what that ultimate Sabbath rest is like in Christ, we we better live out and live into the lives that God has created us to experience here and now and in our lives in the world today. So if you were sitting down with somebody who, let's say, has been a Christian for a little while anyway, they go to church regularly, maybe they're volunteering, maybe they're giving, but they would say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, whatever that means to them. And um, and you're sitting down having coffee and and they ask you about Sabbath. Like, hey, I heard you talk about this at church in a message. Why should I practice Sabbath in my life? And then I want to ask a follow-up about how you would do that. But let's let's start first with like, why should I do this? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the, the thing that I would want to communicate to people first and foremost is that Sabbath is this beautiful, loving gift from God. You know, it's this thing that, that God has ordained, has, has woven into the fabric of humanity as, um, as a practice for us to make sure that we are living lives that are, are to their fullest that we are not running on empty, that we have time and space to invest in the things that are most important, that our minds are focused and set on God first and foremost, um, that communion with God and to be able to engage in communion with God through Sabbath with other people is just this really beautiful experience that you really can't get in any other sort of, you know, environment or, or capacity. Mm. Um, so setting that time aside what and, and we can get into like what it is that you're doing during that time, but to be intentional about that, it just transforms the way that you view, I think life in general. But David, we have soccer practice on Sunday. <laughs> How does this fit into a modern context of our lives? Cause I think that's actually one of the big obstacles. I think for at least the people that, you know, we've talked to around Sequel around this practice of Sabbath that we're really still in a lot of ways trying to figure out, I think at some point they're like, yeah, man, a day of rest sounds great. I would love that because we're living these busy lives. But then there, it gets really practical of, of like, but I have all the stuff to do. What do I do about that? Yeah, and that is that is one of the biggest challenges. You know, like like we were talking about before, our our culture, our society is not kind to Sabbath rest. Um, you know, if you're looking in a Jewish Orthodox Jewish culture, there are practices and communal expectations around Sabbath that we in our society in general don't have today. And you look at all the things that are going on, whether it's soccer practice or even vacations, and I've got work trips and all these sorts of things that are competing for my time. How do I prioritize Sabbath? And this is where I think that creativity component comes into play 
where we stop looking at the legalistic nature of Sabbath and we look at the heart of Sabbath, it's not so much that we need to be doing this thing specifically for these hours on this particular day, but it really is cultivating this time and space where we are in a, we are able to engage in Sabbath. And so while I'm a little hesitant because I have two kids and we're doing the sports thing and we're navigating all of that, part of our conversation that we have is kind of around that. What are we willing to engage in in order to preserve some of this time um, and recognizing that I don't have to do everything today. Um, checklists are wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are plenty of things on my checklist that I want to get done. But Sabbath is this thing that reminds us that it's not all about me. It doesn't depend on me. Sabbath is a practice that that focuses us back on God and says, we are reliant upon you to provide. It goes back to the man and the quail, right? God's saying, I'm going to provide for you. Trust me in this. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes for us, when we're looking at Sabbath, it's recognizing that I don't have to do everything. Things are going to be okay. Um, I can set some of these things aside for another time in order to rest with the Lord. Sometimes we have to say no to seemingly good things and, and we have to prioritize and, um, and take things out of our life intentionally if we want to let the good things in. And we were talking about this uh, a couple weeks ago, which is why I asked you to come on the podcast. And you, you said something, you said, sometimes you got to take rocks out of the garden. Um, unpack that for us. What do you, what did you mean by that when you think about our schedules and Sabbath? Yeah. So as I've been wrestling with Sabbath, one of the things that's been really helpful for me in terms of considering what this looks like for myself and for my family is kind of this metaphor of a garden. I love gardening. Back in 2020, we started kind of what our family referred to as a victory garden, kind of going back to the world wars and um, this victory garden to share food with our neighbors, that sort of thing. You know, called 2020 was a weird year and it's a weird year. a way to <laughs> bless people. And uh, so that was, that was a way that we decided we were going to do that. And so as I started kind of getting into my garden and figuring out what that looks like, one of the things that I recognized is that in my context here, the soil is incredibly rocky for me to plant things in the ground was going to be incredibly difficult. And so in order to plant my, my crops, if you will, I needed to do raised beds. That's the case in my context. The, the obstacle for me in terms of planting my garden was big rocks. But if I go to my parents' house, they have a different problem. They have clay soil. And so I started thinking about this in the context of our lives. The obstacles that I have in my life when it comes to Sabbath might not necessarily be the same obstacles that you have, Tim, in your life. Mm. Um, you know, if you take a single mom with a couple kids and, and maybe she's working a couple jobs, the, the obstacles, the rocks in her life are different than that retired, you know, married couple, that empty nester, you know, they have a different sort of soil. And so when we talk about cultivating Sabbath, the challenges that we each have individually are different. And we need to be intentional about paying attention to those specific obstacles and figuring out how we go about cultivating Sabbath within our particular context. Mm. I was having a conversation with somebody a while back and um, we were lamenting a little bit over, uh, you know, the the age our kids are at. My kids are about the same as as yours and, and it's just busy. I mean, it's just the the pace of the world has been thrust onto us, and we have uh, 
cooperated. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any other way, way to say it. And we were talking about like, where is there time to make Sabbath, uh, to, to practice Sabbath? Because we want to make the time for it. And it became just apparently obvious in that. It's like, nobody's going to do it for us. We're going to have to be intentional. And we started kind of thinking creatively about, well, if it can't be a whole day, could we do an evening? Could we do an afternoon? And I think that this concept requires some creativity. What are you, as a pastor, and you're you're guiding people through this? How are you guiding them, shepherding them, as you're encouraging them to practice Sabbath? Yeah, and I th- I think that's a great question. I think there are a lot of different things that that we can consider depending on where we're at in our lives. You know, for families like like ours with young kids that are active and involved in things. Um, you know, part of it, like for us has, has been trying to set aside Friday evenings together as a family. Even with that, there's, there's room for improvement in terms of what that looks like for us in terms of the activities and things that we do. But this is kind of a dedicated time where we're not working on other projects. We're not, you know, doing stuff around the house. We're spending time together as a family, or maybe we're inviting other friends and family into that time with us. And it's a dedicated focus time. So maybe it's not all day Saturday or all day Sunday, but maybe it's an afternoon and and an evening, you know, for me as someone in ministry, Sunday is anything but a Sabbath. Right. (laughs) It is a full on work day. And so one of the challenges that we're navigating also is that my wife works full time. So while I have Friday off, my wife, wife is still working. My kids are in school. We get to the weekend, Saturday is kind of the only day that we have together. So if we're going to be active and do stuff, it's oftentimes on Saturday and then Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted on Sunday. So how do we fit into your point, pockets or windows of Sabbath rest? So what does it look like for me in the morning when I'm getting ready to consider having a time where I can carve out a half an hour every day to spend time in prayer and in scripture? How can I find things that are because I think one of the things that that people don't necessarily understand about Sabbath is it's not just sitting down to read scripture all the time or prayer. Sabbath is about things that are life-giving, mm-hmm. being refreshed and renewed, things that draw us back to God. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can I incorporate those things in, in other parts of my life? If I like going on a walk, how can I carve out time to go on a walk? Yeah. Um, if I love woodworking, if that, if that, process of creating something draws me back to God. How can I carve out time for woodworking? Um, and thinking about it in a, in a different way, other than I'm just going to sit down for an extended period of time and not do anything. Right. That becomes more, more challenging. Absolutely. So are there like a series of principles that we can gather from scripture or from your experience? I mean, I'd start first with scripture, but like, are there core principles about how we should approach Sabbath, you know, with a creative mindset, we, we live in a busy world and we can't go from A to Z. We got to start somewhere. But if we're going to start somewhere, what are the three or four things that we should be thinking about as we engage in practicing Sabbath? Yeah, I think one of the first things to, to keep in mind, and, and we see this example with Jesus, Jesus got away. He withdrew from the people at times. And that I think is one of the big things about Sabbath is it is a disconnection from kind of our everyday sort of routine. What that looks like is where we start to get creative, I think. But I think that's a big part of it. To set it aside as holy time, as sacred time, 
that's foundational to Sabbath. Um, what that means for, for me in my life might look different than somebody else, but to be intentional about saying this time right now is, is Sabbath time. And I think we, I think sometimes we get a little weirded out by the idea of like sacred and holy things. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels a little weird. Um, but there is absolutely something scriptural about that, about having sacred, holy set aside time for the Lord. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. I think the idea of inviting other people into it is important. You know, we see Jesus getting together for meals with the disciples. Mm-hmm. So the communal aspect of Sabbath is important as well. Yes, there's this individual aspect of Sabbath where I am engaging in something with the Lord. I am studying scripture. I am praying. But to invite my household, to invite my friends or my family into Sabbath is a really significant thing as well. Um and so I think that's something also that that probably needs to be wrestled with for for people looking to pursue Sabbath. Yeah, and again, the idea of pursuit—I hate using the idea of pursuit for a Sabbath because it feels like it's this work sort of thing. When in reality, it's this withdraw and with yeah, this withdraw and this rest. So we've set aside a day, and we're, we're recognizing we're going to do this different. What are like three or four things you would encourage us to do? in that four hour period or that entire day, you just talked about running that can be enjoyable. Obviously we want to focus on God. Are there a couple of like things like, okay, you set the side a day and then think about doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I think the first thing just to make sure that, that we're aware of and, and have in the front of our mind is that we're not, we're not making Sabbath holy. God's the one that that's making Sabbath holy. And so we're invited into this holy time that God has set aside for us. Like he is available to us. And so when we enter into that, I think recognizing that he is waiting for us, Mm. you know, he is available to us. He is the one who has made this time holy. And he said, says, come join me, come be a part of this. And so I think a entering into that, into it with that sort of mindset, B, um, minimizing distractions, I think is really important that's a hard one for me. Like it's really easy just to pick up my phone and, you know, scroll through things. So removing those sorts of distractions, technology is such a hindrance to Sabbath in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, Being intentional about inviting other people to, to join us. I think finding those things that not just are fun, not just leisurely, but things that draw our attention and our focus back to God. I think that's really important. Um, The consistency of Sabbath is something that, that we need to make sure that we, um, that we consider, um, it's like anything, you know, you train for a marathon and at first going out for a one mile run might be really challenging, really difficult, but you do that over a period of time, you start working up and you're running three miles and that doesn't feel so bad. And pretty soon you're running five miles or 10 miles. And I've never experienced this personally, but apparently you get a runner's high. You do. I I know nothing of that. Yep. Um, but you start you know, you, you get into that rhythm and, and it becomes this thing that when you're not engaging in that, you miss, you know, when I miss going to the gym for a few days, I'm like, man, I got to get back to the gym. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing is true for Sabbath. When we are consistent with Sabbath, whatever that looks like, it becomes one of those things that if you don't have that, if you miss that on that day, you're missing this really foundational part of your daily rhythm. So I think consistency is a really important thing prayer, 
scripture reading, I think are important. I don't think, I don't think it's necessarily beneficial to think of Sabbath as only going out and doing activities. I think there is a foundational component of spending time in the word and spending time in prayer before the Lord. So I think the incorporation of those into your time of Sabbath rest is important. What that looks like, what, what percentage of your Sabbath, that's the stuff to wrestle with. I think one of the things that has been hard for people in our congregation as I've talked with them is they don't know what Sabbath is supposed to look like and they want, you know, the checklist. Tell me that I do X, Y, and Z for this duration of time. What can't I do? And then I'll try and do that. But there's this freedom and this flexibility, this, this beautiful opportunity to engage in communion with God in a way that is true to who he has created you to be. And I think that is, that's, I don't know if I'd say this lost on people. I just don't think people understand that. Well, that's why I asked you about the creativity aspect, because I think if we got more creative with our understanding of Sabbath, not in a heretical way, but just in like, open your brain to like, what could this look like for the way God's wired me? Of course, we want to stop and disconnect from the world and we want to spend a extended unhurried time with God. But then when you move beyond that, like what would bring you joy? Yeah. Who would you want to do this with? Like what, what elements of your community would you want to make sure that you see that day? Yeah. I think Sabbath really in a lot of ways is about wholeness. You know, it, it, it fills us, it brings us back to who God has created to be. So if I were to create a day for myself, you know, my, my perfect Sabbath day, I think it would include, excuse me, it would include a few different things. One, it would, it would include um, time to get away to read. I love reading. It would include time out in nature. It would include time in my garden, working on, on planting or or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. It would include time with the people in my life that I care the most about, you know, that are, that are the closest to me, my family, my friends, um, they would include good food, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, making a meal, preparing a meal together, or even just sitting down over a good meal together. Those are the sorts of things that for me are so life-giving, yeah. you know, it, it would probably include going out into my, my neighborhood and throwing a, a football around with my son. Yeah. You know, it would, it would be sitting down on the couch next to my daughter reading together. Those are the sorts of things that for me are so life-giving. They remind me of God's blessing. They remind me of the fact that I don't have to be working all the time, but I can, I can rest with the people that I love the most that God has blessed me with in the place that God has called me to and trusting that he is at work to take care of everything else while I'm not doing the work, if you will. That, That sounds like a great day, man. Uh, I wish we lived closer because I'd love to do that with you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I wonder if you practiced that perfect day, that perfect Sabbath, extended time with God, unhurried. You got to read, you got to be with your community, you got to cook a good meal, have a great cup of coffee or a great glass of wine or whatever you know brings joy to you. I wonder what the other six days of your week would look like. Yeah. And that really is at the heart of the work that I'm doing on this dissertation. 
because I think Sabbath participation in Sabbath changes fundamentally changes the way that we view the rest of the week. And I think there are four really key characteristics or ways in which um, our understanding of things changes and the way in which we view life around us. So I think Sabbath and this kind of, this kind of comes from Walter Brueggemann's book Mm -hmm. to some degree. He talks about Sabbath as resistance. Mm -hmm. I think Sabbath is not just resistance, but reorientation that when Mm -hmm. we engage in Sabbath, we are reoriented to God's original design for creation. So when we participate in that, we are reoriented. I think Sabbath is also a time of revelation where when we participate in Sabbath, there's this revelation of who God is if I come to the Lord during a time of Sabbath and I cast my cares upon him, um, you know, maybe I have a, a family member who is, who is ill. I'm reminded of the fact that he is the great physician. Mm-hmm. You know, if I come before the Lord and I am celebrating God's provision, I'm reminded that he is provider. And so to be intentional about taking time to consider those things, to be mindful of those things, I gain a deeper understanding of who God is, a a greater revelation of who God is. I also think Sabbath is a time of identification. When I engage in Sabbath rest, I am more acutely aware of who God has created me to be and what my identity is in Christ. Not in my work, not in the things that I do, but in the fact that I am his child and I am loved by him. And then I think Sabbath as invitation. Sabbath is this invitation into deeper communion with God. And so I think when we when we experience these things and then we enter back into everyday life, it radically shifts the way that we view everything else around us. Mm -hmm. And hopefully when we enter into stressful situations or hard situations, we enter into those from a place of rest rather than anxiety and stress and depression. Yeah. Um, I think it's so essential. It reminds me of that line in Brueggemann's book, people who practice the Sabbath live all seven days differently. How would practicing the Sabbath change our lives? And and maybe start first with that at an individual level. Uh, how would this change our lives individually? Maybe we just talk about you and you and I. How would it change our lives? Yeah, I mean, for me, if I were to engage in Sabbath with the regularity that I want to, that I think I should, that I desire to, I would be a far more, more, um, patient person. I think, I think I'd be a less anxious person, a less stressed person. I think I would be a more loving and compassionate person, um, because I would have the bandwidth to better love and serve people when, when challenges and and stressors come up, I wouldn't be as flustered. You know, I I wouldn't feel the anxiety going to bed at night, thinking about all the things on my to-do list. I would recognize that that God is in control, that he, he, he has this. Um, and so when I am intentional about practicing Sabbath, I find those things to be true in my life. Um, it's in the seasons when I'm not as consistent with Sabbath, where I wrestle with some of these other sorts of things, you know, stress and yeah. anxiety. And, um, so for me, I think that's how, how it plays itself out. And I, I feel like for me, I would work, I have learned to work as I've been practicing it from a place of rest instead of towards a place of rest. So it's kind of the idea that I get excited about the work that I get to do on Monday 
as opposed to I can't wait for Saturday because I'm just tired from the work that I have to do the other five days of the week. And it's a subtle shift, but it's all the difference. It's where the joy and the hope and the peace and the love and the patience, that's that's the difference is, is working from rest or towards rest. Um, I also think about how this would impact our churches. So I think the you've said the main reason you want to do this is because you all want to see how this plays out in the local church context. So I know you don't have it all figured out because you're still learning, you're not done with your demon and you're processing through this, but as you process through it, how would this change the local church if we practiced Sabbath individually and communally? Yeah, I. one of the things that I struggle with the most in regards to Sabbath and the church is that I think the church kind of collectively, at least the Western church, church in America is, is maybe as culpable as anybody in terms of keeping people busy. Hmm. We want to have all these programs and all these activities and all these events and all these things to go to. And, um, and we keep people really, really busy (laughs) and it's, you know, they're all good things to your point earlier. You know, sometimes you've got to, you've got to remove good things in order for the best thing for the right thing or whatever to flourish. Same thing's true in a garden. As I'm, as I'm planting seeds, as they start to grow up, I have to thin the crops so that each individual plant that remains has the space and the room to grow and mature. Mm -hmm. I think that's true in our churches. We have things scheduled constantly and that's true in our church. That's true in a lot of other churches. There are just a lot of things going on. So how do we, how do we continue to create opportunities for people to come to church to engage in study and prayer and community? How do we create those environments? Because those are important. I don't, I don't think they're not, but how do we do it in such a way that we're not overtaxing people and burdening people because they feel like, well, I've got to serve on Sunday and I've got to be at a small group and I got to be a youth group and I got to do this and that. And pretty soon they're doing as many activities like at church on site as they are, you know, doing anything else. Because I think there is, there is value in being at church, but there is also great value in being that restful presence in your neighborhood and with your family. Yeah. Yeah. If our, if our schedules don't look any different than the rest of the world, it's like, there's something to that. We really got to evaluate that. Absolutely. And I think that starts at the top. That's one of the things that as I'm kind of leading our staff is trying to be intentional about setting some of those boundaries you know, the expectation is not that you're working, you know, just an abundance of hours. That's not success for us. Yeah. Um, and so that has to start at the top. We have to model that as church leaders, as pastors, as, as people involved in ministry for the congregation to see. Um, otherwise, you know, our schedules look like anybody else's in the corporate world or, or wherever. Yeah. You, you might be, you actually, you probably wouldn't be surprised to know this, but something between 30 and 40% of all the people who come to a sequel experience are in ministry. And when we interview them and talk to them and take an application, it's the same thing every time I'm exhausted. And it's just, it's one of the saddest things to me because, and I'm glad we can help, but it's really difficult to fight back against the system of even the church of 
hey, they're asking too much of me and I don't know how to say no. And it doesn't matter if you're in professional ministry or if you're a professional in the business world or, or, or frankly, if you're a stay-at-home mom. My, my wife has a hard time sometimes practicing Sabbath. She has a hard time turning it off. Um, but it would, it would change our lives. I'm finding myself in a really busy season and there are days and weeks where where it feels quite hypocritical to be talking about Sabbath and writing about Sabbath when I'm experiencing the same struggle that everybody else is. Mm-hmm. But I think just because we're in the midst of the struggle doesn't mean that we ignore it, that we stop thinking about it, that we stop desiring and considering ways to pursue it because it is so, so vital. And I think that part of it is raising that awareness within congregations and communities about the value of, of Sabbath so that it's, it's on our minds and we may not practice it perfectly, but it's something that we're attentive to and we're, we're seeking to create those moments and those opportunities to engage in that, that Sabbath rest. It's this unforced rhythm of grace, right? It is this time that is beautiful and it is rich and it is refreshing. You know, it it is, you feel renewed, you feel um, closer to God. You feel like you have a better understanding of who God has made you to be. And when you exit that time, you, you feel like you're flourishing. Free and Light is a podcast of Sequel Ministries. We believe that life to the full comes out of an intimate connection with Jesus. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit us at sequel.org slash donate.